Hello, and welcome to episode 249 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. A warm welcome to Katie B. and Lori B. to the Modern Manager community. Becoming a member is a great way to support the show and invest in yourself. You get access to our members-only Slack community, where you can connect with me and other managers to seek or offer advice, find and suggest resources, and just generally be part of a supportive community of folks who get what it is to be a manager. There are many other benefits of membership, and to learn about those and join our community, go to themodernmanager.com slash join. If you work for a government or a nonprofit agency, you get 20% off. Again, the website is themodernmanager.com slash join. Today's guest is Scott Whiteford. As director of leadership analytics, Scott is a leading authority on the science of talent and has coached over 1,700 leaders on how to develop talent. His primary analytical focus is on utilizing Talent Plus's executive interview to help companies select and coach leaders and their teams based on their strengths. He thoughtfully uses talent solutions such as the Team Retreat, Team View, Leadership 360s, Collaborative Coaching, and Progression and Succession Planning to develop leaders and build effective teams through a strengths management approach. Scott and I talk about what it is to take a strengths-based approach to management and talent development. We discuss what it means to focus on talents, how to figure out what those strengths are, how to lean into the strengths of your team members, and how to do so in a way that feels fair to everyone. Now here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Scott. I'm super excited to talk about strengths and strength-based approaches to talent and to people, because I feel like we spend so much time as managers thinking about the gaps and the development needs and the problems and, and the fixing of our people, and not enough time talking about how they have these amazing strengths and we can lean into them. So thank you so much for joining me today. I'm happy to be here and happy to talk to your audience about strength-based management. All right. Why don't you start by just explaining that that thing of strength-based management? Because it's not something that at least I have come across and very often in this world. Yes, I'd be happy to. Uh, let me actually start by giving an analogy. Uh, I think your audience probably knows the Mercedes-Benz star. And on that Mercedes-Benz star, there are three aspects to it. Well, I look at that and I think of strength-based management through that lens. Here, here they are. So up in the upper right is knowledge, skills, and experience, the knowledge you've accumulated on a job. It could be project management certificates. It could be advanced degrees. The skills that you have, maybe you're really good at PowerPoint or Excel. So a skill and the experience that you have. And experience matters. Uh, you might make a different decision today than you would have five years ago with the same understanding just because you have more experience. And that takes up about a third of our star. The next third is fit. And fit is a leader or manager's fit within an organization. It might be with their leader. It might be with parallel reports. It might be with people who report to them. It could be benefits, and it could even be location. All of those are considerations on somebody performing at a high level. The final third is talent. And when we think of talent, we think of things like being able to build relationships, that they're, a person is very caring as a manager. 
Uh, maybe they have great insights or maybe they have great vision or they're highly focused. A lot of times we call those soft skills. From Talent Plus's perspective, in a strength-based perspective, we call those talent or we call them strengths. If you look at that Mercedes-Benz star, those knowledge, skills, and experience, I often have my managers focus on deficiencies, focus on areas that you don't have. If there's a certain program you need to learn, let's learn it. We can get there. If there's certain experiences you need, let's learn those or let's do those so you can have that experience. It's basically anything you can put on a resume. However, on the talent side, I want my managers to focus on strengths. I want to focus on what they do well or what their team does well, because we're going to see a greater return on investment there. And so on one side, we're focused on strengths. On the other, we're focused on deficiencies or or other areas. To give you an analogy, I played basketball in high school, but I'm only five feet, eight, eight inches tall. So my basketball coach wanted me to shoot long range shots or pass the ball well. He didn't care if I could rebound or play in the middle of the six feet eight guys because that wasn't my strength. And so instead, he had me focus during my practices on what I did well and my strengths and not my weakness. Find areas where you can build compensatory strategies. But he knew, as do all great coaches, as do all great managers, if you focus on strengths, you'll see a greater return on investment. I love that analogy. And as someone who is 5'9", I had the opposite experience <laughs> playing basketball. But it makes sense that there are areas that we need to improve on in gaps when you need to gain a skill, learn how to do something faster, better, be smarter, more knowledgeable, more of an expert on something. And then this area of leaning into strength, that feels like it feels harder. It feels a little harder to say we're going to spend money or time helping someone get better at their strengths. Is is there a different way to think about what it means to focus on someone's strengths? Is it is it about actually helping them do it better or is it about helping them figure out where to apply it better? Like what do we what do we do with that if we're saying, yeah, like I want to lean into these strengths, but but how do I do that? Right. So it's really two parts. It's the recognition piece. So how can we recognize what those strengths are? And the best way to do that is to go through a survey or an interview or an assessment to understand your strengths. And in fact, for your members, we'll be offering an opportunity to go through an assessment so that they can understand their strengths. The cool part is on the when they finish, they'll receive a talent card. And a talent card will highlight their strongest themes, their strengths, and how to coach to those. So the first part is that recognition. What are your greatest strengths? And the second part is, well, then how do we coach to those? So you're right. There really are two pieces. I do think it can be difficult to focus on your strengths, especially as an emerging manager, because you've been taught this whole time, where are your team's deficiencies and let's make them better. Even for yourself, if I say, here are your 10 themes and these two themes are your worst, the first thing you're going to think is, well, how do I develop those? Well, we could see incremental improvement, but we can see greater improvement by focusing on your strongest areas. And so you're right. It's about recognition and then it's about development. Can you share a couple of examples of what some of these strengths are that you've kind of learned through the course of your work that are these different categories of strengths? Sure. 
Let's use one that I think people are more comfortable talking about, something like relationship extension. Now, the first thing I have to say is that I've worked with 1,800 leaders over my time at Talent Plus. And so I can tell you that everybody has areas of strength and everybody has areas of weakness when it comes to talent assessments. And so one of the areas that I like to highlight is something like relationship extension. So maybe you have one person who's very extroverted and you have another person who's very introverted. And that evening, they have a social gathering that they have to go to and they have to mingle and they have to meet new people. The extroverted individual is going to look forward to this event all day. They're going to go early. They're going to stay throughout, mingle, help clean up and have trouble sleeping that night because they're so excited. The introverted individual is going to dread this all day, go late, mingle a little bit, leave early and probably go right to bed. Neither one of these is right or wrong, but understanding where those individuals get their energy, we want to put that person who has strong relationship extension in more events like that. And for the individual that's uh, maybe a little bit more introverted, have them not have to participate in events like that. And if they do, give them the crutches to make it through. Like I said earlier, one isn't right or wrong. But we can see if we lean into that person with strong relationship extension that we're going to see greater return on investment because that person gets the energy from those situations. Uh, The introverted person might not get that same level of energy. It sounds a little bit like there's a matching of job responsibilities or role to the person's talent, right? So it's, it's putting that person in a position where they can kind of take advantage of that strength to to use it more often. Is that what I'm hearing? You are. And it's a great nuanced understanding. So many young managers look at their team and they want to fit their team members to certain roles that they have on the team. It makes sense, right? Oh, we've got this person. We have this role. We need to get this person in this role. We need to get this person in this role. What if instead the manager was looking at How can each individual perform at their best and create the role, maybe not completely, but at least somewhat to fit the individual? So now the role is fitting the individual rather than the individual fitting the role. When I've seen managers do that, they have greater success. And for that matter, wouldn't you rather use your strengths than your weaknesses anyway? And so what happens is it builds more productivity, more camaraderie on those teams. And so it's a it's a nuanced understanding, but a very important one. Yeah, well, and I can imagine that on in a big company or maybe you have lots of people or there's multiple on a team who can do similar kinds of things. It might be easier than when you're a small team and it's kind of an all hands on deck and just the work just has to get done. So do you have any tips or recommendations for how how either we can have these conversations with our team members to think about shaping their job to better suit them or how to have these conversations when there's a limit to what we can actually do to make adjustments because we just we we only have the people we have and we still have the same amount of work to get done. Absolutely. So I kind of go back to what I originally said. If you think of that Mercedes-Benz star and those three spots on the star, without understanding all three, uh, you'll struggle as a young manager and emerging manager. You really need to understand all three. So it is about understanding the talent of your team members, just knowing their knowledge, skills, and experience is not going to be enough. Now, you're right. A company of eight to 10 people, it's all hands on deck. And for that matter, 
it's probably even more important to understand where people are really going to thrive and people who might struggle a little bit in, in different spots. And like I said, all, all managers, all team members have areas of strengths and weaknesses, but there's duties that need to get done. And so it might not play quite the same in a, a company of eight to 10. I work for an organization with about 100 people. And I would argue that no two people in the organization that I work for have the same job because there is a focus on, there's an emphasis on matching that person with different kind of tasks, for instance, that they have to complete. And so if my job requires 20 tasks and I'm really good at 10 of them and I'm not so good at 10 of them, then I'm probably going to be doing more of those 10 that I'm really good at. And somebody else is going to pick up my slack a little bit. And I'm going to do the same for somebody else. And that's a company of 100. So while there is a a point where for the smaller companies, it can be, it seemed like a bit of a barrier. It doesn't take too long before you can really focus on understanding strengths and getting the most out of your people by putting them in the best places for them to succeed. Yeah, you're you're triggering for me a team I worked with where I was kind of like an in-house team member consultant on a project. And after scoping all of our work, we kind of laid out all the things to get done. And I looked to the team and I said, okay, who wants to do what? Like, raise your hand. Like, who wants to do each different pieces of this? And afterwards, one of the team members came over and said, I've never been asked what I actually want to do on a project. I've only ever been assigned. And this was amazing. And I was like, oh, this is not that hard. Like, we can ask (laughs) people what they want to do, what they're, and we can give them opportunity to lean into those things. We don't have to just do it from the top down. That's exactly right. Uh, A lot of times when I talk to leaders about doing a career investment discussion or managers doing a career investment discussion with their team members, I ask, how does that look? And they say, well, you know, I bring so-and-so in. We talk about their review for the past year. Here's the areas that they're not doing as well. And if they want to be promoted to the next spot, here's what they need to do. And my question is, uh, the street, it's going in the wrong direction. Instead of telling them what they need to do to get to the next stage, honey, you ask them, ask them what they enjoy about their job, ask them what they want out of their careers, what's their long-term vision within the organization, maybe even within work. And you're going to likely get a different response than what you think they want. So back to your point, just ask. And you'll see that is for the development piece that really takes that individual down that path quite a bit further. Yeah, I, I love this. All right. I want to shift a little bit to the hard conversation of what if what the person thinks they're good at isn't mm-hmm. what you think they're good at? Mm-hmm. And and I say this because I had a conversation with a client this morning who said, I have a team member who really wants to move into this particular kind of role. And I just don't believe that she has the right approach. Like she doesn't have the right She didn't use the word talent, but kind of that's basically what she was saying, that this really isn't the right move for her, at least at this organization. And so I'm trying to like figure out how to coach her into a different kind of role that it would be better suited to her strengths. So that that feels like an awkward conversation to have when someone feels like they're really strong at something, but you're looking at it from the outside and saying, "Eh, not so much. Well, first of all, I completely agree with the person you were talking to. We aren't all good at everything. And for whatever reason, we're taught that we can be good at everything. And we can't be good at everything. And that's okay. You can be outstanding at some things. Uh, Like I said, I've worked with 1,800 leaders over my time. I've never had one that was strong at everything. 
There's weaknesses with everybody. And so it is a difficult conversation. And I hate to sound flippant, but you know, it's part of the difficulty of being a manager is having those conversations. So the first question I would ask is, have you discussed it with them? And in your case that you gave, it sounds like they had. And then find out what it is about that particular position that they really want. A lot of times, unfortunately, in our society, we see ascending through roles in an organization in a management track. Well, what if it is a more of a professional associate track or a knowledge worker track? Because a lot of times that's where the money is, right? With the, with the manager track. And so really understand from that individual what, what it is about that job that they really like, that they really want. I go back to the fact that it's probably important to assess them to really understand where their strengths are before making that judgment. Because without that entire Mercedes-Benz star, we're really leaving out part of our equation. But then having that critical conversation is important as well. It doesn't mean that that person is going to stay there long-term because of it, but leading them down a path where you as the leader know that that's not where they're going to end up is worse than having that critical conversation, but really understanding from their point of view what it is and why they want that that particular position. That makes so much sense that we can almost pull apart sometimes a job description or a role or a career path and understand what about this is appealing? And maybe mm-hmm. there are strengths that you have that fit into part of it, if not all of it. So not right. So being able to have a conversation that digs a little deeper makes a lot of sense. And also not guiding people to a place they don't want to go. But that's also oh, not God. not a healthy approach for anyone. Mm, not at all. I'm wondering if you have any clients or, or stories from your work where doing this kind of assessment has really helped illuminate for someone what their strengths are and where they can where they can take their career or how they can leverage those in new ways. Yeah, it, there's lots of examples. The 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 best part is when we look at strengths that maybe just aren't tapped. So, uh, somebody feels that they're they're strong in these areas, maybe they're highly focused. Uh, so they can really understand process and a project and maybe they're really good at team building and they can bring people together. And this whole time the part that they are really the best at is that vision. And yet they've never been involved in any of the vision discussions. Instead, they're involved in like the tactical discussions. So going through an assessment, I've seen several times where a leader has demonstrated that propensity to see that vision. And then how can we invite them to the think tank? How can we invite them to the time when we're going to be discussing what is this organization going to look in the next three to five years? And their ideas are quite fruitful. Another example, and this might not be the case with the good folks listening to Modern Manager, although as a new manager, it might make sense. And that is with somebody that's in an individual role, they might be really good at team building. And this whole time, we really didn't know about it. And so all of a sudden, you start putting some people under them they reply or they respond really well and we see a lot of success with that manager and so those are kind of two examples i've seen quite a few times where they weren't in a spot to really shine with the strength that they actually do have 
So what happens in the opposite, right? Like I'm thinking about so many managers end up in a position where they're like, ah, I'm not even sure I actually like managing people. This is a lot of work and it's maybe not in my strength zone and I have a lot to learn and figure out, but also I don't want to get off this train because this is the career path that's going to lead me down the line. What do you do when you realize that there are talents you have that really aren't your strengths? Do we still develop those too? Or is it better to just acknowledge those and outsource or find a different way to compensate? Well, I'm all about finding a different way to compensate. And there's nothing wrong with that. So again, I think of them as compensatory strategies. Maybe it's somebody else that's doing that aspect of the management. Maybe it's kind of crutches, how you can kind of work through it. But the bigger piece is I often, in almost all of my coaching engagements, I'll have uh, my managers diagram where they want to be in the next five to 10 years. And then how do, of course, why do they want to be there? What is it about it? And then how we can help them get there. And a lot of times my managers and my leaders haven't even thought about anything past about three weeks from now. And I'm making them say, okay, what does it look five to 10 years from now? Because if your passion lies outside of the management, how can you, whatever it is you are passionate about, maybe it's it's a certain type of knowledge worker, how can you usher in a career that fulfills that? Because we spend so much time working. And if you don't like managing, uh, but you think it's the career path you ought to be on, that's the challenge I give to my leaders. That's the challenge I give to to the managers uh, listening to this podcast. If I were coaching you and I said, where do you want to be 10 years from now? Would you be able to write out a diagram with what that looks like 10 years from now? And if you can't, I encourage you to do so. Of course, it's going to change, but it will help with clarity about what you're doing right now. That's so, so smart to think long-term and be able to start to chart a path that has multiple options, right? As opposed to, this is what I have to do. It's the only way to get there. And even to know where you're going. Can you say a little bit more about these compensatory strategies and like, what do those look like? What are those, what are the options if we're like, okay, this is not my strength. How do I surround myself? Is it with people or how do I, I kind of just, what, what are those compensatory strategies that we might employ for different reasons? So the first part is to realize you don't have to be good at everything as a manager and that's okay. So that's the first piece that's really important in all of this is to realize that. Once you've realized that, then it is about, okay, how can I build, by the way, the cheat sheet, the answer is always people. So whatever your problem is, the answer is people. So the cheat sheet is, okay, I have five people reporting to to me. I know that this aspect of my management is really soft. First of all, it's okay. Everybody has softer areas. Second of all, it's important to understand the strengths of your team members. So how can they then maybe basically backfill for what you don't do as well? So, and that's, again, that's okay. Because managers, a lot of times, especially new managers, feel they have to be able to do everything. And they're going to find areas, first of all, it's going to be overwhelming. Second of all, they're going to find areas they're not as, as strong at. So It's okay to have a great, a strong team around you and rely on their strengths to help you perform at a high level. In fact, the great leaders, all uh, the ones toward the end of their careers that have been very successful, they all talk about that. They'd rather have be the the dumbest person in the room 
and have a team full of smart people that can help them, everybody be be better in the end. Yeah, it makes me think about the leadership molecule idea that you really mm-hmm. need, it's not a leadership atom, it's not one singular person who is the leader who has everything and can know everything, but it's a molecule of people that come together and collectively kind of have all the right strengths, all the right ingredients for success. Mm-hmm. Okay, so last question before we wrap up here. I can imagine, for example, if part of my job is to go out and schmooze at conferences and events and such, because that's part of my way of kind of being out in public and networking, and and that's part of my job. But I don't, I'm that introverted person. I'm like, ugh, I hate this. Or like, I I can't travel so much because of my home life and it's just not possible. So I want to elevate someone in my team to take on that external role. And I have someone on my team who I think is has the right strengths for that and they're excited by it. But by shifting this responsibility, I have now kind of elevated them in a way that maybe feels a little unfair to some of the other team members who are like, well, why does so-and-so get to go to that conference now and and not me? Is there a way that we can talk to our team about using our strengths and how it is, because it feels like it's a different thing to say, well, so-and-so is getting a promotion. They're now going to be an external facing team member, right? Or so-and-so is now taking over the job that the manager used to have. And that's signaling something that this person's really important and special. When that's not what we're doing, what we're actually saying is, no, we're leaning into each other's strengths because we can find synergies by reallocating our responsibilities to where we each have strengths. So is there a way to have a conversation with your team so that it feels fair and equitable and not a game of favorites? Yes. And the first part is to, if you subscribe throughout your team to that strength-based approach and that everybody is unique and everybody is different and we're going to celebrate those differences, then you're going to have an easier time. And what I mean by that is... Uh, so-and-so is now going, I can't go to the conferences, so I'm going to promote Bob. And Bob is going to be going to these conferences because it's it's you know an area that's softer for me or, or maybe more appropriately. It's just a strong area for Bob. If you're doing that consistency, consistently across your team, highlighting each of your team members' strengths. So Cindy, now she's not going to get to go to the conference, but instead we're going to highlight X, Y, and Z that she gets to do. And uh, Gazelda, Gazelda doesn't get to go to the conference either, but she has these great strengths and we can highlight these as well. And so if you have an individualized approach to your team and you are all in on really understanding strengths, you're going to have fewer of those difficult conversations with those team members. That doesn't mean it's going to eliminate all of the times when it seems unfair. But if each of those team members knows that that leader really cares about them, wants them to succeed, wants to help them reach their career vision, they'll they'll better understand why certain people get to do certain things. And so instead of looking unequal, it looks actually the opposite, very different for different people. Not saying that the conversation is always easy, but from a management perspective, you'll have more success if you're celebrating each one of your team members differently. Beautiful. Love it. All right. So that brings us to our closing here. So Scott, can you tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person such a fantastic boss? Yes. And this is really interesting. When I was preparing for this and thinking about this exact question, this particular boss of mine was outstanding 
at promoting what I did well, but she also was excellent at things that I didn't do well. And so we would team together celebrating my areas of strength. I'm very relationship oriented. I like solving statistical type problems. And I like being on podcasts, for instance. Those are things that then she would celebrate. You need to do those things and we need to get more of them for you. She was really good or is really good at seeing the vision with a a client, a client partner, and how all of the parts can come together to be successful. And I'm just amazed by, by it. And so working with her is outstanding because she has such a great vision when when we bring on a new client partner. But at the same time, she doesn't say to me, well, you need to have this great vision. Instead, it's we need to have you execute on the vision on parts that you're you're strong in in, in your work. So that's what comes to mind as far as uh, my favorite manager to work with. Oh, love it. And where can people learn more about you and keep up with the good work you're doing? Well, first of all, they can always go to talentplus.com and see the the bigger picture there. I'm happy to link in on uh, LinkedIn, and it's just my name, Scott Whiteford. I encourage your members to complete the online assessment and look at the talent card that'll show their strengths just to get an idea of what that looks like. And so that's how I would encourage them to find me. And I'm happy to interact if they reach out to me. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being a guest today. I love getting to talk about strengths for a change. It's it's really fun to think about how we can help our people step into their full potential. Well, thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. Scott is generously providing access to the Strengths-Based Talent Assessment from Talent Plus for free to patron-level members of the Modern Manager community. After completing the assessment, you will get a talent card analyzing your strengths and giving you insights into how you can best be coached. In addition, you can give this assessment to your team members as a tool to guide professional development. To get free access to this assessment and many other benefits and bonuses, like extended interviews and access to our private Slack community, become a member of the Modern Manager. Go to themodernmanager.com slash join. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rockstar boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.